Welcome and thank you for joining us. Here at Calvary Chapel Eldoret, we believe in impacting and changing people's lives through the Bible, which is the only inspired and infallible Word of God. For more information, be sure to check out our website at ccelderet.org. That is ccelderet.org. And here is today's word. Let's turn to John chapter 19 in your Bibles. And in the last time we were in the Gospel of John, we talked about four things, four S's. You see scripture fulfilled on the cross. You see a sign placed over his head. You see the sympathy he demonstrated while on the cross, the sympathy and forgiveness that he gave even those who were dying with him. One of them, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then that ultimate thing, he says, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Incredible sympathy, incredible grace and love and mercy for those who are killing him. And then we saw the supremacy he revealed as he took charge over his own death. And we're really going to talk about that today. Look at verse 30 with me. and We'll read all the way to the end of the chapter. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his own spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, and then they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who were crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that is telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they look on him whom they have pierced. After this, Joseph of Arimathea be being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in stripes of linen, strips of linen, when the spices and the customs of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garment, garden, and the garden a new tomb in, in which no one had been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day for the tomb was nearby. Now, if you have had this thought before, I, I, I've had this thought where you may go through the Gospel of John and you get all of these very doctrinal statements and all this amazing doctrine and really detailed conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. 
um, like the Upper Room Discourse or the doctrine of who he really is, which is the focus of John, that we would believe on who he is and what he has done, and having believed on him, having life in his name. And, and you, you see all those, and if you've ever had this thought, when you're reading the Gospel of John, you come to this passage of Scripture, and though it's very significant because he died on the cross, it's almost like, okay, let's get through this and let's move on to the next uh, teaching or the next book or uh, an epistle. But there is a lot that we need to look at here. Jesus bowed his head and gave up his spirit, that first verse that we read says. He willed his own death. Understand that, that's, that's going to be one of the focuses. Jesus willed his own death. He controlled what happened to his own body. He controlled his own burial. And then he exerted the power to rise from the dead. Jesus Christ controlled every aspect of his death, burial, and resurrection is what the Bible is teaching us here and last week, and next week when we study it. Um, the, the Bible talks about him, and the title of today's message is, He is the Death Conqueror. Jesus Christ is unique in humanity. In all things, his birth, his life, and his death, we do not control the circumstances surrounding our own death, but he controls the circumstances surrounding his. Death truly comes to us all. As one quote says, all men die, but not all men truly live. But we need to remember this truth concerning death. Death is not the end for anybody, including those who don't believe in Jesus Christ. Death is a transition, and we need to look at death as a transition, but oftentimes in our minds we view death as the end, when really it is only the end of this life, and we go on to another life. All people who've ever died will go on living whether they are saved or whether they are unsaved, they will continue to live for eternity. We are eternal beings from the moment we were created by God and consummated by our parents. We will either have maximum joy in heaven or maximum anguish in hell. No one controls the time that he dies. And everyone will die. You know, you guys have been to, those, to a funeral. Probably everybody has been to a funeral in here. And funerals give us the opportunity as believers and even those who are conducting and officiating the funeral. Every time there is one, the opportunity to preach the gospel because a funeral will always bring together a crowd of people who are a mixed crowd, both those who are saved and those who are unsaved. And we take that opportunity as ministers to make sure that the reality of death is spoken about so that we can speak about the life we have in Christ as Christians and as believers. Truly, death should be the ultimate wake-up call for all of us. 
The deceived should wake up from his deception, understanding how finite we are. The backslidden should move forward towards Christ and away from their backsliding. Those who are in a slumber and sleeping should rise up into a new life, all coming as we remember death. And the good news of all of this, the good news of death, is that Jesus Christ conquered death and grants us new life and victory over death. Death should, should be our wake-up call. We need to think about how finite we are. People die in our world every single day. It only takes about eight pounds of pressure hit on somebody's temple to kill them. We are a very finite people. And yet, so many of us are deceived and so many in the world or all those who are not in Christ are deceived into thinking, even though they know it's not true, that they're going to die, uh, uh, that they're not going to die. And many of those will even think, and it is everybody's goal to die at an old age. And so we do everything we can not to die. And as a result of that uh, uh, goal in our life, we go on in deceiving ourselves to thinking that we are invincible and that we will never die. Death stalked Jesus his entire life. Even before Jesus Christ was born, there were satanic attempts to kill the Messiah. Let me give you a few. In, number one, in Exodus chapter one, Pharaoh killed all the firstborn males in Egypt, all those Hebrews trying to destroy this uprising and this uh, population growth, but really it was a satanic attempt to disrupt the messianic line, but Mo Moses was preserved because God is in control of his creation. Second Chronicles chapter 22 Athaliah, the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel, tried to destroy the line of Judah, the very line that the Messiah would come through. Another satanic attempt to kill the Messiah. In Matthew chapter 2, Herod killed and the Satan managed to try to kill the very location surrounding the, the birth of Jesus Christ, killing all the firstborn in, uh, or in Bethlehem, and he had to flee to Egypt. In Mark chapter 14, the chief priest tried to put him to death. In John chapter 8, they were so angry with his preaching after he called them sons of Satan that they picked up stones and, and really after he made himself equal with God the Father, they took up stones to kill him. And over and over again in his ministry, and even before he was born, death stalked Jesus Christ. Yet none of these attempts were successful because Jesus is the only one that can allow himself to die. No one takes his life, John chapter 10 says, but he lays it down willingly. This is very important for us to, to understand concerning the cross. Jesus chose to die. Nobody had the power to actually kill him. 
He controls every aspect of his life and he controls every aspect of his death. There are three things I want us to look at in this passage of scripture. Three things. Number one is he demonstrates power in his dying. Number two, he demonstrates power in the treatment of his body. And number three, he demonstrates power in his burial. Number one, he demonstrates power in his dying. It says there in verse 30 that he gave up his spirit. He is the one who said it's time to die and no one else. There are about 30 prophecies in the Old Testament relating to the suffering of Jesus Christ that are fulfilled in his death. These are prophecies concerning every point that we have this morning. His giving up of his spirit, the treatment of his of his body surrounding and after his death and the very burial that he has uh, been granted in Joseph of Arimathea's uh, uh, tomb. Every aspect of this was prophesied. Thus, a lot of what is uh, spoken in the death of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John and really every Gospel makes mention of all the prophecies concerning this event. This is very significant. The Bible teaches us not just that he died on the cross, but it constantly reminds us as he's dying and when he dies and as he's buried that all of this was prophesied in the Old Testament. Let me tell you why this is significant. A lot of us view prophecy as simply and entirely a foretelling of the future. And it is not just a foretelling of the future, but prophecy is a divine revelation of God's power and control over creation. That is really the essence of what prophecy is. The essence of prophecy is God's divine power and control over his creation. God controls his creation. He has power over his creation. Now he's given us free will, but when God chooses to do something like be born, nobody can stop him. When he chooses to live, nobody can stop him. And when he chooses at what point in time he will die, no one can stop him. And that is what real prophecy is in the essence of it. It is teaching us that he has power over all things. He even does this in the upper room discourse. He is constantly prophesying and reminding his disciples of the prophecies that he gave them. You remember right before he told Judas, after Satan entered Judas, to go do what he was going to do after he gave him the bread? He was telling the 12 disciples, one of whom would deceive him or betray him, he was telling all of them, one of you will deceive me. Why was Jesus doing that? Jesus was doing that for the primary reason to let the other 11 disciples know, hey, when this guy, Judas Iscariot, betrays me and delivers me to the authorities, know that he did not do it at my surprise. I was not shocked 
Neither does Judas or the Pharisees have the power to come arrest me in the Garden of Gethsemane. I have the power and I will allow Judas and I will allow the Pharisees to arrest me. So just know that one of you is going to betray me. So he tells these disciples, including all the disciples who would ever live down to the very disciples who are here this morning, prophecy, the foretelling of what will happen so that he can teach us that he has complete power over his death, burial, and resurrection and over the life, even the lives that we live. That is very significant because... After he dies on the cross, these disciples are confused. They're, they're, they're like, man, how, how could this one who is the son of God, who is the very God, man, God in the flesh, be taken by his creation or be taken by these people? Do they have more power than he does? That they arrested him and that he died on the cross? Do they have more control than he does? Do they have more authority than he does? And Jesus is telling us prophecy to let them know and, and listen people, to let us know this morning that he has power and they don't. That is very significant and that's why constantly throughout these last couple chapters as well, he says, that scripture might be fulfilled, that scripture might be fulfilled. That gives us confidence in our faith. That gives us confidence in our belief in Jesus Christ. Confidence that we so desperately need when circumstances surrounding our life and people who are hurting us or oppressing us or trying to destroy us, we need to remind ourselves that Jesus has power over them. Amen? We're supposed to be Pentecostal in Africa, right? That is very significant. He demonstrates power in his dying. He gave up his spirit. Now, death comes to us before we're truly ready. Even if we die at an old age, it truly still comes to us before we're ready. We want to say bye to that last person. Jesus said the perfect thing in every single moment that he was in. It's amazing. And we still marvel at the beauty of what Jesus said all the time. Including all of these prophecies that are fulfilled. But we can't control the circumstances surrounding our death. But we need to look to Christ, the only one who had the power to control the circumstances surrounding his death, giving us hope that he will give us eternal life and we will have life after our physical death. That's who we need to look to. And that is one of the primary functions of what's happening here as we discuss the very cross of Jesus Christ. No one takes his life but he lays it down. See, I can't even control the water staying on this pulpit. That is how finite we are. We have such little control over every part of our lives. The, the idea is this. We should look to somebody who has power outside of ourselves 
but we rely so much on our own minds to discover truth, to discover God's will. It's impossible to discover God's will outside of his word. It's impossible to understand life outside of his word. And yet many of us continue to try to discover life and we obey our culture and our families and all these different things that in most cases we should disobey in order to obey God's will. We are stuck in a world of biases and preferences towards our culture and our family and our friends and our society when really we need to transcend that through the revelation and power of God's word. We are not in control is the point. And Jesus Christ is. Listen, he did not die because he was weak. He died because he willed to die. He willed his own death because it was time for him to die, not because he was weak. And understand this, Jesus controlled the time in which he died, the Bible reveals to us, not the wrath of the Father. In a sense, I want you to think of this, the Father did not kill Jesus, but Jesus gave up his spirit. It was the wrath as as, as the father was pouring out his wrath and he was beating Jesus through that righteous, holy indignation from heaven, Jesus decided to die. It's not because he's weak. It's because he chose the time in which he was going to die. Psalm 69, 21 says, they gave him gall to drink. He... He, he controlled the circumstances around his death. Now, number two, he demonstrates power in the treatment of his body is what I mentioned about the legs. They, the, the Jews, the religious leaders said, we got we to gotta get him down. We have to go prepare for the Sabbath day. We can't be having this. And so they broke the legs of the other two thieves, because if you broke the legs of the thieves, because one of the ways that these people would stay alive on a cross is their nails were na uh, nailed to the wood and their feet were nailed to the wood. But because their body weight, they hung. And when they would hang, they couldn't get breath in their lungs. So every time they wanted to breathe, they had to lift up with their feet and lift up with their hands on the nails that they were, uh, that had kept them on the wood so that they could get a breath, and then they would sink back down, sink back up, and sometimes they would do this for a couple days. But if the legs were broken, they could not lift themselves up to take a breath, and they would suffocate. So that's why they would break the legs. So the Jews and these religious leaders wanted these men and wanted Jesus down from the cross. This is the height of all hypocrisy of all the world that we've ever seen. Think about it. In order they, to obey God's law, they killed the God who wrote it. This is complete and utter deception. In order to obey God's law concerning the Sabbath, 
they actually killed the God who wrote it. Complete deception. Deception is a very interesting thing. This, go, this kind of hypocrisy and deception goes well beyond the drunkard in the bar sharing the gospel with his friends, which some of us have done that before. I want you to, to, to think of the potentiality that you and I can be deceived so quickly on a daily basis. That person who is in habitual sin living with somebody who is not their wife or husband. That drunkard who continues to get drunk and then go to Catholic mass and confess his sins to the priest thinking that he's been absolved of his sins and he can go collect a lot more sin during the week if he goes to mass on Sunday. Complete and utter deception. We can deceive ourselves so early. We believe what is true based on what we prefer to be true rather than submitting to truth itself. This is, we can be deceived so quickly as these religious leaders were deceived. Literally, in order to obey God's law, they think, I mean, they may not believe he's God, but nevertheless, they kill God to do it. You talk about deception. That is deception. But scripture is fulfilled here. Not a bone of the Passover lamb shall be broken, according to Exodus 12, 46. Jesus is our Passover lamb, and he has complete control over his death, and he will not allow one of his bones to be broken. Psalm 34, 20 says, he guards all his bones and not one of them shall be broken. Jesus is in control completely over this entire situation. Number three. Not only number one does he demonstrate power over his death. Number two, he demonstrates power in the treatment of his body. He also demonstrates power in his burial. It says... After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus and Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night. Also, and you remember Nicodemus came to him by night in John chapter 3, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds, well, the reason they brought these spices in is to cover the stench and the smell of death. Now, a hundred pounds of these sorts of spices was the same weight that was given to kings when they die. And because of Joseph of Arimathea's love for Jesus Christ and Nicodemus' love for Jesus Christ, he was buried in a proper tomb and uh, given a proper burial with all the spices covering the stench of death. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So there lay Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. So he controls his death. He controls the treatment of his body, but he controls his burial. 
It was prophesied that he would be buried in a tomb. It was prophesied that he would be wrapped in a linen. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that all of these spices and, and, and uh, this aroma would be in his tomb with him. Him showing what is the essence of prophecy, and don't forget what that is. Him showing the very power over his creation that he has always had and that he always will have. It says in Mark chapter 16, verse 43, that Joseph of Arimathea gathered up his courage to go get the body of Jesus Christ to bury him in a tomb. He gathered up his courage in order to do this thing for his king. We church need to gather up our courage to go fulfill the great commission and continue to expand the kingdom of God on earth, remembering that Jesus has power over all things, including what we're learning this morning, his death, burial, and resurrection. A man without courage is a man filled with condemnation and shame, or a woman. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, but not absence of fear. You can only be brave when you are afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. You can only be brave when you are afraid. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving somebody deeply gives you courage. One person said, courage is the most important of all virtues because without courage, you cannot practice any other virtue consistently. Courage. Courage to step out in faith and do something according to God's will. Courage to go share the gospel with your colleague, family, and friends, no matter what the cost. And even more importantly, the courage to obey God's word at the expense of our culture that we live in. Joseph of Arimathea gathered up courage to go retrieve the body of Jesus Christ. In the days that we live in, church, we need to gather up courage more now than ever as we are completely being oppressed by all the world's governments. I am completely against this vaccine. I don't believe it's spiritual, and I don't believe it is biblical, and I don't believe it is scientifically or healthy medically. And yet, the Kenyan government told me that I cannot enter Kenya unless I'm vaccinated. What was I supposed to do? Never come see you people again? Forget that. I shot heroin for five years before I became a Christian. I can take the vaccine. My point is, I have deep concerns over the, the health risk of this vaccine. Deep concerns. It is unhealthy. 
It is literally becoming a bad steward of your body, in, in my opinion, to take the vaccine. And yet, in the fear that me and my wife had, we took the vaccine to fulfill the virtue of love that we have for you. I'm just giving an example. I don't mean you think of one. But you need to step out in courage like Joseph of Arimathea do to fulfill the virtues that you need to fulfill like love and courage, but, or love and joy and peace. But courage is the door in which you go through that. Courage to stand up against your culture and, and, and the wickedness of the world that surrounds us. Knowing this, church, that our Savior has complete power over His death, the treatment of His body, and His burial, and He has power over our lives and the ability to bring us through any circumstance with joy and peace, no matter how difficult that circumstance may be. We need to remember that this morning. We need to remember that, church. We have a God who has more power than Biden and Kenyatta. We have a God who has more power than any king or president put together on this earth. And they cannot dissuade him or stop him of the will that he has for you and I. That one day he will gather us up to be with him forever and ever. Because he conquered death and he has power over the grave. We need to remind ourselves of this. Because we have fear. We have anxieties at times. We have stress. We have troubles. But remember, if you're born again, as he was resurrected into his life, we will be resurrected into a new life with him because he has power over the grave. But also remember this. Death is not the end for anyone, even the unbeliever. It is only a transition. Because as much as Jesus Christ has power over the grave to give us eternal life with Him in heaven, He has power over your destiny. And if you do not submit to His will and His authority and His word, He has power to send you to hell forever and ever. Don't be deceived. Do not be deceived like the Pharisees. They're killing God in order to obey God's law on the Sabbath. Thank you for listening to today's teaching. We hope that you've been inspired and blessed. For more teachings and other resources, visit our website at ccelderet.org or call us at 0718-012-496. That is 0718-012-496. See you next time.